Today's episode of Food for Thought contains terminology that not everybody may be familiar with regarding gender identity. And so to get the episode started, here is a glossary of some of the terms that we will be using in the following episode. Gender dysphoria refers to clinically significant distress caused when a person's assigned birth gender is not the same as the one with which they identify. Transgender is an umbrella term for people whose gender identity and or expression is different from cultural expectations based on the sex they were assigned at birth. Being transgender does not imply any specific sexual orientation. Therefore, transgender people may identify as straight, gay, lesbian, bisexual, etc. Cisgender is a term used to describe a person whose gender identity aligns with the, those typically associated with the sex assigned to them at birth. Gender identity is one's innermost concept of self as male, female, a blend of both, or neither, how individuals perceive themselves and what they call themselves. One's gender identity can be the same or different from their sex assigned at birth. Gender transition is a process some transgender people undergo to match their gender identity more closely with their outward appearance. This can include changing clothes, names, or pronouns to fit their gender identity, and can also include healthcare needs such as hormones and surgical procedures. Non-binary is an adjective describing a person who does not identify exclusively as a man or a woman. Non-binary people may identify as being both male or female, somewhere in between, or falling completely outside of these categories. Today, we have my friend Ruby with us, and today we're going to talk about Ruby's transition and her life and her journey, and my hope with this episode is to really help people have a much more broader understanding of the transgender experience and also just walk away with a lot more insight, a lot more knowledge and empathy, as well as perhaps some validation (laughs) for any of your own um, things that you might be going through. So um, without further ado, hi, Ruby. I appreciate you being here. Hello. Yeah, it's good to be here. So I will let you start wherever you think the proper beginning of your journey is. Uh, God, I think the proper beginning would be probably somewhere around when I was eight years old. Okay. Interesting. Um, That was the first time I ever really realized that something was different about uh, my perception of my gender versus what other people saw. Um, and I had started noticing that like when I had, when I would watch movies or read a book or anything, I always had, I always more closely identified with the female characters and shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately I've, didn't really have any a lot of good outlets to explore any of that as a kid because I was sure. raised a Jehovah's Witness. Oh wow! Yeah, um, they're unfortunately not very accepting at all of 
anyone who is queer. So yeah, no kidding. I have, I have thankfully long ago moved away from them. Oh my God. Yeah. I had no idea. Oh Lord. That is rough. Yeah, it was a little bit. I, uh, I learned pretty early on to keep quiet about anything related to me potentially being queer or mm. trans or anything like that. Right. They know now, though. Right. But for a long time and from an early age, you dealt with some serious sexual repression and, you know, identity issues. Oh, oh for sure. Yeah. Well. So continue, please. Yeah, if I had asked them anything about what I was going through, they probably would have sent me to, you know, conversion therapy or mm-hmm. whatever their brand is. Mm-hmm. Couldn't really tell you. Right. Um, so into your so, adolescence then, is that when you were able to start having more of these outlets then? I didn't really get any outlets for it for a long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was spending time secretly playing with uh, girls' toys or experimenting with makeup as a kid. There was one time I definitely got caught by my mother with mascara on because mm-hmm. I didn't realize that it was waterproof and thought it was removed. Mm. <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing, but. And what was her she response left, she, to that? She left. She left it off. Okay. Um, at the time, my cousin, my oldest cousin on my mom's side, he was going through a kind of metalhead kind of goth phase. And okay. She thought maybe that I was <laughs> just feeling it, inspired, getting it from him. Yeah. Okay. So. But my my mom's pretty cool about it these days. Well, that's good. That's definitely a good thing, though. Yeah, I didn't really get a good proper outlet beyond just experimentation in secret until well into my time in the Navy. Okay. And when did you get into the Navy? I entered in 2006. Okay. Uh, would have been, I believe, September. Okay. Um, and that was during the era of don't ask, don't tell in the military still. And can you just briefly explain uh, for the listeners what don't ask, don't tell is? Basically, it was a policy that allowed for any service members who were may have been queer to serve as long as you didn't talk about the fact that you were queer. Hmm. Ever. What a weird regulation to have. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. it... <laughs> thankfully, uh, I don't remember exactly what year it was. It was probably 2010, 2011 that Obama put forth an executive order to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Awesome. And that allowed service for any queer service members but unfortunately the fight on 
front for allowing transgender service still has not yeah. been finished. Right. So in these times before um, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, did you face any scrutiny from um, any of your fellow um, military members? Not for being queer because nobody knew. Okay. Um, I faced scrutiny from my shipmates for several issues related to the fact that I'm trans. Um, uh, okay. Things were getting a lot harder to cope with while I was in the military because I had less outlets than ever. Yeah, I, that's, I have no doubts about that. <laughs> and there came a point where I was, I had heard that one of my shipmates in my division, that she was also queer. So I decided that I was going to try and talk to her about my suspicions that I might be trans. And unfortunately she got, she went and outed me to the crew. Um, and do you want to explain quickly what being outed means? Uh, basically it means, let's say I tell you in secret that I am queer. Okay. It's, kind of expected that you don't go and just tell that to everyone. Um, mm -hmm. Being outed means revealing a, a secret status of being queer to people who shouldn't have been privy to that information. Mm -hmm. People who may not be, be tolerant, and in certain cases when you out someone, you could be putting their entire livelihood at stake. <laughs> You know, they, they could Which, be facing serious abuse if, you know, if you cross that boundary for them. Which certainly could have happened in my case, especially being in the military. Thankfully, it didn't. Right. Because I, I don't know, I guess I got lucky and the people that were on my ship didn't really seem to care. Well, that's good. Is that a response that kind of surprised you then? Oh, completely. Right. I, the, the day that I found out that she had spoken to some other people on the ship about it and started spreading rumors, um, I was absolutely afraid that my career in the military was over right then. Right. Because unfortunately, the policy at the time was that Actually, let me back up to explain that. The military has a a code called the UCMJ. Okay. The Uniform Code of Military Justice. Okay. It des describes a set of articles of military law. Okay. And one of the things in there is that, uh, I don't know the exact UCMJ article number, mm -hmm. but there's one that classifies being transgender under the same classifications as being a pedophile or oh, other wow other paraphilic disorders wow. so basically someone in the military finding out that you were trans was an instant ticket to 
a dishonorable discharge. Sure. And so that's also going to mean that you're not going to get your benefits, you know, and everything nope. that you have worked for until that point. Absolutely not. Um, you won't get any support through the VA, which is the Veterans Health Administration. They provide health coverage for veterans from all branches of military service. Um, sure. And that's been a big thing for me in my transition personally, because after I got out of the military, I started seeking avenues through the VA in order to start my transition. Okay. Thankfully, I got lucky and I exited the military with an honorable discharge and I've been able to take advantage of those services through them, but it was definitely something that could have been an issue for me and probably has been an issue for many other transgender service members. Right. But things, you know, were pretty smooth for you in that regard then as far as how it came to, um, so, so I guess what I would like to explain is when you say, um, you got insurance for your transition. What does that mean? What are we encompassing when um, you're transitioning in this context? Well, medically, it kind of involves a whole range of things that may be the right treatment for one person or not for another. Mm -hmm. um, things like vocal training, if someone needs to deal with their insecurities about their voice not being either masculine or feminine enough, or maybe learning how to speak in more feminine sentence structures or male sentence structures. Sure. Um, it can also cover things like breast implants or uh, what do they call it now? Um, the one thing that everybody refers to is the surgery, gender confirmation surgery. Yeah, gender confirmation. These days. Yes. There's been a few names for it over the years, so yes. it's been kind of hard to keep track. Um, it can cover that. It can cover facial feminization surgery for trans women who have very masculine facial features and are bothered by that. Sure. Um, it can cover just simple things like hormones. Okay. Which is the starting point for most people who go through transition. Sure. So can I pry and ask how many of these components you have gone through yourself in your transition? So far, I have gone through hormones. I've been on hormones for about four years now. Um, I've also gone and I've started getting laser treatments for removing facial hair and other body hair. Okay. I've gone, I've gotten laser treatments for removing my facial hair. Um, so far for me, that's been about it. Okay. I haven't been very blessed with great health coverage. Unfortunately, the 
Veterans Health Administration does not cover any type of surgeries, so oh, wow. I've been okay. forced to try and go other routes. Okay, and what other routes are there for you? Well, I could save for a long time to pay for surgeries myself up front, which is one option that's available to everyone, but that's not exactly very... It's not realistic. ...for everyone. Yeah. Um, some people have gone the route of doing crowdfunding, going to um, places like GoFundMe, looking for others to help them fund their transition. Sure. Um, I did a small one for helping to get my legal name change done through the courts. Okay. Um, other than that, the routes are pretty much trying to navigate through the headache that is the American healthcare system. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I sincerely hope that in, you know, in the very near future that there are going to be changes to that that make those things more accessible for you. Um, can I ask what kinds of, like, what you would ideally like to um, accomplish uh, to feel fully fulfilled in your transition? Personally, for me, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about it, and I think that ultimately, like, gender confirmation surgery isn't super important to me. Sure. Um, but at least getting rid of the rest of any facial hair that I may have left behind or uh, breast implants might be necessary at some point mm -hmm. because hormones haven't been, they, they haven't blessed me in that area, unfortunately. <laughs> Results may vary. Right, if, right. If you do decide to go the route of hormones. Interesting. So is there stigma against trans women who choose not to undergo gender confirmation surgery or like people who like you like you don't think it's important it's you know it's not like you know you're pining for it i personally don't think that it matters all that much but that's for me mm -hmm. everybody feels a little bit differently about it sure there's, I've met plenty of people in the queer community who choose not to transition at all. Right. Um, but that's all dependent on life circumstances. A lot of times it has to do with the relationship that they're in or mm -hmm. kids that they may have. Sure. Hopefully yeah. you're in a situation where everyone is loving and supporting. Mm -hmm. And you can pursue those goals, but that is unfortunately not the case for all of us. Right. So do you have, have you ever really faced any like queer exclusion from the community? Like I, it's like we're, we're um, familiar with the term TERFs, which is trans exclusionary radical feminist, which means you're a feminist in generally every capacity besides being very you know, transphobic, you know, and I didn't know if that's anything that you think is a, um, an issue that's prominent that you have faced or anything like that. 
Uh, it is definitely an issue that I have noticed in the queer community in particular. You know, I'm not, let me just preface this by saying that I'm not expecting any lesbian to automatically want to date me. Mm-hmm. But I do face a lot of stigma from other lesbians who don't see me as a lesbian because of the fact that I wasn't born female. I understand. I Okay, yeah. See, so that's what I was curious about. And, like, how does that make you feel? Like, what would you, like, what would you say to somebody who was, like, had that attitude but might be willing to hear you out? Honestly, I'm not sure. Okay. I understand that it all comes down to personal preference. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, I feel like maybe in an, uh, in an idealized society we wouldn't have issues like that mm-hmm. yeah but I guess there's a lot of things we have to work through as a society going forward to ever so if not a lesbian what kind of stigmas like what do they want you to consider yourself if not a lesbian like do they want trans women to have their own terms for this or something you know I'm not really sure because it's like, what do you want us to do about it then? <laughs> it's like kind of just like. Yeah, it comes down to the the thing I always say to people. is like, look, if you're not interested in me, that's fine. You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> just. You don't have to be rude. Just yeah. Give me a yes or a no and then I can move on. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. See, that's definitely something because. I'm, I consider myself to be bisexual and, you know, so as someone who's in the queer community, that's definitely something I have seen before too. And I've also seen like gay men, um, like, uh, gaslighting and under undermining the experience of trans men, you know, gay trans men as well. So it, it goes both ways. So, yeah, so it's, it definitely does. Unfortunately, I can't really speak for the trans masculine half of the transgender experience sure yeah understood so when you began to piece together and you said this was with your friend in the navy that was queer you began to kind of piece together that you might be transgender what were the first steps that you took And what would you encourage somebody else to do if they think that they are, you know, seriously struggling with their gender identity? Well, for me, the first step I took was finding a close friend that I could confide this information in and talk to about things. Um, Maybe you don't have any friends that you can speak to that closely. Um, Mine were people who I served in the military with, who Mm -hmm. I knew very well Mm -hmm. on a personal level. Um, Better option for some people might be to try and see a therapist. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, the best starting point. I would definitely agree with that, but I'm the type of person that I think everybody should go to therapy. (laughs) I, I agree to an extent for sure. 
So therapy and creating a support system. Um, what else? What? So I guess maybe do you have any suggestions for people who feel like um, their family would just like completely disown them? You know what they could do about being able to embrace a new identity that might come with a lot of serious repercussions. Oh, I would definitely say that it is definitely not something that is easy to accomplish. Right. Um, you may face a lot of hardships with your family, but ultimately you will find new people to mm -hmm. make your family the family of your choosing. Absolutely. I've been lucky enough to still have most of my family around, whether or not they approve of what I am doing with my life. Sure. But I have a lot of close friends that their families disowned them or kicked them mm -hmm. out of the house while they were still kids. Wow. And I, I, I don't understand how anyone can do that to their own child. And what kind of issues do kids like that face when they're thrown out of their house at a young age because they tried to start to be true to themselves in an environment where they shouldn't have done that? Well, you've got risks for homelessness, first of all. Yes. Kids end up out on the streets. Um, probably, I, I'm sure that a lot of times that introduces them into situations where maybe they're around drug dealers and other people a lot more often because they're probably going and seeking out very low income housing to just stay warm. Right. Yeah. Cause kids, you know, puts them in vulnerable positions and just, and just dangerous positions when families choose to just discard their children like that rather than, embrace their identities and why why do you think personally that it's so hard for families to do that and what what has your experience with your parents like like you said that your mom is is cooler with it now than she used to be no i okay. was just saying in regards to like i guess the time period i was talking about okay. my mom's been, my aunt my mom has always been absolutely amazing oh okay good that's she, awesome she accepted me from the get-go when i came out to her that's awesome that's wonderful my dad was a little bit more of a, a rocky road but we've gotten there um at first he refused to use the name that i had chosen but you know i didn't really call him out on it ever mm -hmm. i just kind of let him get used to the idea mm -hmm. that this is who I am now. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still the same person, just a different outward presentation. And how long ago was it that you had this initial initial conversation with your parents? Oh God, that would have been 2011. Okay. It was about a year before I got out of the military. I okay. decided to go ahead and come out to my family after I had gotten out into my ship. So, in a way, getting outed to the crew on board my ship was kind of a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. I wasn't prepared for it at the time, but it definitely 
it made it a lot easier to come out to my family. Well, that's good then. I mean, yeah, I would, I would imagine that, you know, having like an initial support group that's like, hey, we're here for you if this goes kaput, you know, can definitely ease some of that anxiety when it comes to taking that next step. It, it definitely can. Um, at the time, I had come out to a couple close buddies who I actually lived with at the time out in town, not, you know, on my ship. They were just other military guys that weren't on my ship. Um, and they were surprisingly pretty cool. I was honestly completely prepared to lose them possibly, but that didn't happen. Mm. Um, and I built up some other friends in the area. We kind of formed a little friend group and, uh, that was about the time, about the timing of when I finally decided that, uh, I had enough safety net around me in case my family decided to not want anything to do with me anymore. Understood. So what, what do you want cisgender people to know about the transgender experience and why it's important to um, respect the terms that they want to use? And also, um, actually, you know what, just go ahead and answer that question first and we'll, we'll go <laughs> after that. Um, what would I want cisgender people to know? Yeah, like if there if there's something that you think that like, hey, cisgender people, I wish that you just kind of understood or respected this about trans people in general. Maybe something that, you know, and, and just like maybe explain the importance of using um, the proper names, the proper pronouns that someone wants to use. I suppose that the biggest thing is I don't understand why it is such an issue for miss for so many cis people to make a simple change like that mm -hmm. yeah it's a name that you've known someone by for many years most likely if mm -hmm. it's someone close to you but you know people get nicknames all the time mm -hmm. like as a kid i can't tell you how many times it felt like every year I had a new nickname at school. So people were always changing what they called me. Okay. But mm. then suddenly I decide that I want to go by Ruby instead of something else. And now you have an issue. Right. Right. Yeah. It's very it interesting. Seem, it seems like it's... It seems like when you protest that way, it broadcasts that it is... I want to say, I don't want to say transphobic necessarily, but it, it feels very transphobic. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you have some reservations there when you're sure. standing that solid ground on refusal. Right. Yeah, no kidding. So if you meet somebody who, let's say they are really new to all of these terminologies and they're trying really hard to make sure that they are doing everything right. 
I think that a lot of people like cisgender people are afraid to make mistakes and get ostracized for like, you know, get like grilled for doing something completely on accident. So is there something like, is there a proper way that someone can apologize if they do accidentally misgender you in a way that, you know, it's, we can move on peacefully and have like understanding and, you know, civility from there? I mean, it, it all starts with just simply apologizing. Sure. You know, as long as you're sincere. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, I don't. I don't think everyone should just automatically apologize. You know, you need to take the time to understand why it was wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe understand why the other person feels that way, and right. then, you know, apologize to the person. Make sure they understand stand that you understand and then everyone moves on Mm -hmm. very true so um is there anything else that i haven't asked you about or we haven't touched on that you think is important to discuss before we wrap it up here um i'd say that one of the biggest risks in the transgender community is the suicide rate that occurs amongst all of us. Yes. Um, that's definitely something that... Do you know what those numbers are like off the top of your head? If not, I can Google that um, real quick. I don't know them off the top of my head, no. Right here. But it's some of the highest... Su- it, I believe it's the highest suicide rate in the U.S. is amongst the transgender community, particularly transgender people of color. Mm. Yep. Okay, let's see here. Transgender suicide rates. The latest one I can find on the humans right human rights campaigns website. Uh-huh. They're looking at suicide among transgender youths and says that more than half of transgender male teens who participated in the survey reported attempting suicide in their lifetime, while 29.9% of transgender female teens said they attempted suicide. I mean, that's pretty staggering, anywhere from 30 to 50%, depending on what part of the population you're talking about. Yeah, no kidding. And it's just like, it's, it's so sad that, you know, society just kind of refuses to look at like the reality of biology and um, just kind of accept that not everything is just, you know, this or that, like, you know, life is so, has so much variety, you know? Oh, oh, for for sure. There's animals out there that spontaneously change gender. Yes, precisely. I believe the seahorse, the male, mm-hmm. can yep spontaneously change into a female. I forget what the conditions for that are, but mm-hmm. and males are also the you know male seahorses are the ones that get pregnant and give birth. Yes. 
uh, frogs, I believe, also can change gender. Um, you have penguins that have gay relationships. Right. So for those who might be listening and still using that, you know, it ain't natural. <laughs> it, it ain't, they don't be doing that in nature. You're wrong. Everything occurs in nature. Everything occurs in nature. Describe to me, my challenge to everyone out there is to describe to me one thing that doesn't exist in nature. Because nature is everywhere. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It all just seems like silly splitting of hairs. It does. But I I get it. We definitely experience a very high suicide rate and... That's the number one thing amongst the transgender community. Yeah. Um, I forget. I don't know if you have the numbers for the suicide prevention hotline or anything like that on hand. Um, I will link them in the description of the um, podcast for people to utilize. Okay. So, um, yeah, any are there any other uh, like specific online resources that you think people could utilize to get information or support? Um, there's a, definitely a bunch of good places out there. Uh, the best way that I find things usually is I just go in Google and I type in exactly what I'm looking for. Okay. Um, and, and in most cases, that just works. If you're looking right. for specifically queer outlets that have resources available through their websites. Probably a really good one would be the Human Rights Campaign's website. For sure. Um, that's hrc.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that'd be a pretty good place to start. Other big places would be, uh, I guess, queer publications like uh, LG. I can't remember the order of them. LGBTQ. LGBTQ Nation. Okay. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) That's the one. Okay, cool. So So basically what you're saying is there are absolutely resources out there, and it's just like it's just a matter of people taking the initiative to, you know, figure out what's best for them. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you would like to touch on before I let you go back to your lovely life? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Well, then I will start getting edited on this then. And I really cannot thank you enough for your vulnerability and your candor in all of this because it's... I feel like there are so many things that cisgender people are afraid to ask because they don't want to fuck up and say the wrong thing, you know? And it's like we need to be willing to have these discussions because the way the language that we use and the way that we talk about things sets the tone for the way that we perceive things and the way that we act upon things. So. That's for sure. So thank you again for your time. 
and I will, um, I'm going to send, I'll send this to you once it's all edited and you will get to hear it before it gets published. Okay. All right. Thank you so much again. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Sorry if I seem a little rambly. At no, time. not at all. I thought it was very well guided and I think it's going to make for a really good episode. Okay. So thank you. I will message you in a little bit when I start getting edited on it. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got it to work after whatever was going on there. Okay, guys, that's your food for thought today. I am your host, Lorene Haran, and I really appreciate your support and your time. Uh, I know that this was a long episode, but it was an important one. Um, thank you again for your support, and I currently have new stickers for sale. Hello. So get them before they're gone. Hit me up through social media if you would like to place an order for a sticker.